So when I presented it in, there was a big panel of people, you know, and there's a couple of uh, Korean guys were there and then the main marketing team were there and I just pitched it in and they, they, it stopped them in the tracks. They were like, what the hell is this? You're listening to P-Town, the podcast exploring the lives of those who live, work and play in our proud city of Preston. Andy, welcome to P-Town. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. It's uh, it's interesting to be back here, actually. This is where we started P-Town as well. Oh, it is. Over a year ago yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, uh, forgot about that. That was your first Carl time. and I had Keith Johnson in, the historian, for our, our first episode. yeah. And uh, I was sweating, trying to get the equipment up and stuff like that. <laughs> but everybody's always impressed when they come here at the artwork and the, the building and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we're very lucky. Gem. It's a great, we're, it's a great spot. Very lucky. I think we were just lucky to find it. Everything just landed at the right place at the right time. Mm. Yeah, it was good. A bit of a contrast to where we were. Where were you? So, well, we were at the watermark, which is fine. It's obviously a different part of town, so we didn't have the view. You know, the, the studio was great, but it was just. Um, yeah, different different environment altogether. Mm. And how long have you been back in uh, Winkley's, well, been in Winkley's uh, Square for? We're on to three years now, I think, three years. Yeah, but it took a while. Obviously, when we first moved into the artistry house, it was, um, we did a, we had to do a lot of work. So we, we camped in each each room. So we started off downstairs with candles right. and freezing our, the boiler went. Like a true artist now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no heating and oh, it was all, all sat with all the hats on. Then we moved into here, the meeting room which is just as cold. And then eventually we got upstairs. Okay. So I think it was about a year of migrating from one room to the next. Yeah. And trying to run the business as well and trying to, I mean, the artistry house hadn't, uh, you know, become what it is then. It, we were sort of trying to work out what we were going to be mm. at, at the time, but we were just obviously running wash as well. So we're trying to keep the money coming in. How long have you had wash for then? 17 years. 17 years. Mm. And the name is, uh, is it Portmanteau of? Well, the name is, uh, it's funny actually, I just often say to people, sorry, but I often say to people, I'm never a big fan of the name because it, the legacy of it is a bit weird. But um, basically I set, I, the business started with me and two brothers, uh, Andrew and Dan Shaw. Hmm. And so we we just took um, the first two letters of the surnames, me being Wormsley, and then we just pieced them together and called it Wash. Uh and Andrew came up with the name and I was like, really? It's a bit, you know, everyone's going to, you know, we're going to have to do all these contrived puns on the word what, you know. So we yeah, just avoided yeah. that from the off. We've never done, you know, people were saying with like with COVID, you know, you should do that wash, you know, you should do something with your name. Yeah. No, I don't want to do that. Really. <laughs> so I've never been a big fan of it, but it's stuck. And I think it's like anything you build, you build a bit of a, a brand, don't you? And you build a, you build yeah. an identity around the name, so it's not a big deal. But yes, mm. I've always felt slightly uncomfortable with it. But I think you're right. You can get hooked up on a name. I think there's a, there's a lot of big companies. Remember when the BT recently changed their logo to yeah, yeah. a really simple thing, and everyone's saying you spent millions of pounds on such a simple thing, but it's it's the brand identity that yeah. built up to that point that allowed them to simplify it into. Exactly. And it's not that simple. It's simple in its simplest terms. When you see it moved and work with, it's not, mm. you know, they've, they've, it's very, it's slick. I, I, I don't mind it. I think it's, I think it's all right. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's branding now. Everything's gone very simplistic. I think, um, 
it's just, just the trend of where we're at with it all, I think. You know, especially logo marks, they become very simplified. Mm. But I mean, ours has stayed the same since day one. It's never changed. So that's that. Stuck with it. Stuck with it. Yeah. 17 years later. 17 years later. What well, is- it goes in a blink of an eye, I tell you that. It's very odd. And you, Sorry, go on, you're going to ask me a question. No, you? I was just going to ask um, what sort of stuff you do at Wash, because obviously I know you've done some big adverts and things yeah, like that. Yeah, we're very, um, I think, to be fair, I think that's why we've probably sustained um, what we've been, you know, when we started off, I mean, my, I'd worked in lots of different businesses. I mean, I left school at 16, mm-hmm. started off in the newspaper game, and then I got into marketing companies doing bits of all sorts. And when I set Wash Up, I'd got tired of that marketing world at that time. It was just, I just hated it. And I never, I never dreamt of being working on car commercials. That was just another world away, you know. So the world I was working in, I hated it. And it was at the time when design, um, I'd worked, uh, I was creative director, well, art director at a little studio around the corner here in the square called the Annex, which a friend of mine set up. And, um, but just that time, sort of mid nineties, there's a real cool, everything was happening in design. It was just getting really interesting. And um, a lot of designers were going more self-initiated and it was just really, some really nice stuff. Going. So we went, we ended up, I wanted a design company. I wanted it to be really more purist, more design and not marketing led. It was a, you know, more into typography and just, so that's really when we set off, but I was never, I've never been a designer. So I really mm. I don't know why I did that. I'm not a particularly good designer. Um, but we ended up employing good designers, you know, like, um, you know, Tom Kidd came to work with us and he's, he's, you know, he's still rocking it out there as a freelancer. So, but it was never working. And, and Dan, who was my business partner at the time, so Andrew and Dan, we, we, we started, we were quite ahead of the curve on um, the web stuff. Dan was brilliant at Flash. And he'd worked a lot. He'd done a lot of event stuff and in, uh, was it Dreamweaver and all that? It was technically, yeah, yeah. it was brilliant. And we were doing some really cool stuff. So the first Wash website, we did this really minimis, minimalistic Flash website and it was really cool. And we got on all these design forums and it was really great. I thought, oh yeah, we're there, you know, it's design. Yeah. We've made it, you know, we're going to, people are talking about it, you know. And then Flash went in the bin. Yeah. Then the the web world just took off, and it just I don't know. It got to be fair, the flash thing got us into animation and doing more moving image stuff. That's why we so we started becoming more eclectic in what we were doing. You know, we started doing a bit of bit of this and a bit of that, and realised that design really, if you wanted to be just focused on that real brand, mm. step, you know, that it wasn't really for us. We we wanted to be broader, and and me as a creative, I like I get bored, so I like to do lots of different things. So it naturally became this more eclectic thing. And we're even more eclectic now. It's gone, it's beyond belief what we're doing now, really. But I think that's what's helped us grow, you know, mm. in, in our minds, not in as a business. We're, yeah. not, we're not a big team. But So you started off really, you're dissatisfied with the marketing world and the, the sort of the... Well, the, the level I was at, yeah, it was just, you know, doing direct mail and, you know, we did all sorts of stupid stuff, sending bananas in the post in boxes and... Weird shit, yeah. And I, I just, I don't know, I just became tired of it all. It was all got really gimmicky and and I'm talking, it was, you know, local marketing companies, you know, just not for me. And I always wanted to prove that you didn't have to go to the city to be a good creative. Why do, why, why do we have to go to Manchester and London? Why can't we do it in Preston? 
I know we're sitting out, but then we weren't. And um, and that really bugged me that. It was, a lot, it was almost like I had something to prove, you know, because people get saying to me, you know, oh, you should be working in London, you should be going to Manchester. And to be fair, I went for an interview well, years ago when I was trying to get out of the newspaper game. I went for an interview at an agency in Manchester, which I won't name because they were utter arseholes with me. And um, I thought, oh, do I want to work with these, you know, people? Mm. And it's funny, actually, I ran into the guy not long ago and he's still a, a nutter arse. <laughs> <laughs> just arrogant. And, I, you know, they've done very well, which is great, but I thought, nah, just not, not for me. So I just, it was all about trying to, trying to get out of this world I was in, this local sort of marketing attitude where the aspiration was quite low. Mm. And if that's what they want to do, that's cool. But for me, it was just, I don't get it. It's not creative. It's just like a, a money machine. Let's make money and let's get as much money out of the client as we can and chuck some ideas out. And I thought, nah. So for me, I wanted to prove that you could be a credible creative agency and start pitching up against the Manchester and London boys and mm. start winning. So that's what we did. And But it took a long time. Was there ever a temptation to to say, look, we tried it in Preston, let's, let's move to Manchester? Or- no. Well, yeah, sorry, there was. Apologies. Yeah, we did. Uh, before we moved out the watermark, we'd got to a point, you know, I'd bought the business partners out. Dan and I, you know, there's no ill feeling. They just moved on in their lives. So I thought, well, we had a bit of a tough time through the last recession, you know, lost a lot of money. I'd got myself into debt and I thought, well, I'm going to give it one last crack. Mm. Um, so we, we, I, I, I bought Dan out eventually after Andrew had gone and bought Dan out. And then we, we, we got it moving better. Lindsay got more involved. And, that, and then we thought, well, do we do we move to Manchester? You know, people we knew were moving to London and Manchester. Thought, well, let's you know, and when you're down there, you're feeling like we're never going to do it. Mm. You know, let's get out. So we started looking at Manchester, and then there was one meeting me and Lindsay were going to, and it took us about two and a half hours to get there. The traffic was hell, the trains were chaos. I thought, ah, oh, sod it. And then we started looking around Preston. Mm. So we, we did contemplate moving, but I think in our hearts, it was never going to work. You know. Maybe in my twenties and thirties, I would have done it, or well, I tried, but I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't in the right place then, anyway. So it's just never to be. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. I like dipping into Manchester and I like dipping into London, but I'm glad to get out. Mm. You know, it's not for me. It's just not for me. I'm the same. I used to live in Manchester. All oh, right. And, uh, I went back there a couple of weeks ago. I was walking through the Northern Quarter, and I thought, if Preston just had this, had something, just had something at night that was like, thri- uh, vibrant or thriving. Yeah. It's, it's a hard one because I think that, I mean, I used to be, I used to play in bands in Preston and down Church Street and the Lamb and it was a, that area of town was a thriving music scene. It was great fun, you know, and I wasn't that heavily into it, but I used to dip into it. And I think that's probably, being in the creative industries, that's probably what, and I talked to a lot of people in the creative industries in and around Preston, that's what does frustrate us up here because it does, people have to go for the cultural fix mm. to these cities and we should, start to build and it is building there's people doing stuff like yourself you're doing things i know you know there's the stuff going on i mean i'm probably a bit old for it now in a way i don't rock out on a friday night anymore um but i think the people i talk to the younger people i talk to there still is that gap i think of that but it will come i think i think the more of us that stick around and don't bugger off then it's going to happen yeah you know, it's like us with the Archer House trying to put on events and trying to put on, you know, turn it into a gallery space. We're trying to do it. Mm. You know, COVID's kicked us in the balls at the minute, but once we get this shit out of the way, we can get going again, you know, mm. or just 
trying different ways of getting around it. That's what we're trying to do. I think with the city as well, one of the, the feelings that I pick up is there's a sense that people are waiting for permission to, to do the stuff. Well, I'd given up on that. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think this is the problem, not just in Preston. I think it is, it, like COVID's been a great example, isn't it? Everyone's looking to be told what to do and then they moan that they're being told what to do. Mm. Just do what you do. Just, just, I don't, I've never liked being told what to do. It's just, you know, I know mean, a lot of people don't, but I've just, I've not waited for permission. I've just done it. Mm. You know, I mean, we, we wanted to put the artistry house, we were, the idea really we wanted to end up with a, our own arts festival on the park here. That's what we started to plan in our heads. So we'd start with small events here and we were going to grow it into an event on the park. Now, obviously that's been put back, but we're not going to wait for permission. We're going to just put a plan together and do it. And if people want to support us, they will. The council's been very supportive of anything we've done. They've not been a block. I think they wait for people to come up, go, go right, we're doing this. Yeah. Rather than going, can we do it? Just do it. Yeah, because you're a canary <clears throat> for them as well. Exactly. You know, if nobody else is doing it, I mean, it's great. You know, we, we have these festivals and we have these stuff and it all comes, you know, Lancashire Encounters. And it, some of the stuff's great, but it comes from out of town, mm. into town. Um, and a lot of people I know aren't even aware it's happening. I don't, you know which I find odd. I don't know why that is, but you know, this stuff goes off and there's some brilliant stuff going up, but nobody knows about it. So I think a bit more homegrown stuff. And there, there again, there are stuff, there is stuff happening. I know there's people doing a lot of stuff, but um, you know, we've not really got going yet, but yeah, I don't think we should wait for permission. I think we should just do things. It's, it's kind of the, it's like a chicken and egg problem because I think when people start to see more people do it, Mm. then they'll think, oh, it's fine to do, but yeah. until those first movers get the ball rolling. Yeah. I think it's the, it's the, it's just getting things moving and getting people staying in the city to keep the momentum. Once the momentum's going, then it keeps the momentum rather than yeah. just doing it and then going off and doing something else somewhere Which else. is the hard thing with the, the pandemic. The momentum was building. Momentum was definitely building. I mean, Preston for me, I don't know whether I've just been feeling it since moving into town, but it's definitely felt there's a momentum. You know, there's some businesses not quite worked. They've tried and failed and yeah. that's just tough. You know, it's hard, it's hard out there in business. We all know it, but there's ones that have stuck at it and it's worked. And there's new people coming all the time, trying different stuff, you know, different cafes, different shops. And it, you know, I mean, people moan about the rates and all that, you know, we can't get in. That's not the council's fault. It's all done from, Mm. HQ in it down in London apparently I don't really know how it works but but I think we've just got to galvanise a bit more get momentum and get mm. more of a voice and just get doing things and demand it yeah you know absolutely um, yeah you think have you always been a creative person would you call yourself a creative person um, I th yeah I think well I know we've talked about this before and I think um, I think everyone's creative I think you just need a probably channels to Mm. have an outlet really um there was creativity in my family but it was never it was always a bit hobbyist and a bit sort of you know we weren't really a, you know i wasn't i wasn't really taken to anything creative as a kid mm. parents never really did anything like that but I've, I've always been a little bit uh slightly off center um i'm not a radical but i'm mm. i'm not a conformist either i'm i don't know what i am but i, I, I tend to yeah, I think I always have, yeah. I think I've, I've always... Uh, I wasn't very good at anything else, to be brutally honest with you. <laughs> so by default? By default. I mean, academic... I mean, I failed school. I came out of school with zilch. 
Um, I didn't enjoy school. I didn't embrace it whatsoever. I, 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 I despised it. Um, so when I left school with no qualifications, I had to go out and get work and I got on a YTS scheme and then, but I could always draw. I was a very good at drawing and, um, I just used that skill to get me up and running and get going. I mean, looking back, I wish I'd have become, I've used that skill to be, become more of an artist rather than a commercial artist, I think. Mm. But having said that, if that was in me, I would have done it. So, mm. you know, I fight with it all the time. I fight with being a commercial artist. I don't particularly like, I don't, I don't embrace the industry I'm in. I'm, I fight it, but then people quite like that. That's become my, uh, it's, it's, it's become the people, the, why people use me because I don't do the, the conformist. Yeah. You know, do you feel that over the, the course? Obviously, you've done um, a lot of different stuff with Wash Studio now yeah. than you did when you first started off. It, is there ever um, a really hard struggle with that compromise between the commercial side of it and the creative side? Uh, there is, but when you when you realize when you know you're a commercial artist, you don't get too precious. You know, it's, mm. you can't do. You at the end of the day, you're a service industry, so you, you're servicing a client. You've got to go well. You've got to push it and challenge it. And that's really why they come to us because we don't, none of us do, you know, Lindsay, Becky, we don't, we don't go, oh yes, you know, take an order. We, we go, that's completely nonsense. Mm. Sorry, client, but you're wrong. And we'll push it, but you can only push it so far. At the end of the day, they're paying the money and, yeah. and they're doing, they want what they want and they know their market as well. So you, you do compromise and that's not, it's not an issue. Sometimes you think, ah, it could have been better. Yeah. You know, it's, but it doesn't really matter. You move on, it's your next job. Yeah. You know, it's not hanging in a, it's not like this art in here, it's hanging on a wall. And that guy, it's funny actually, you did a, I did an interview with a, uh, an artist just recently um, and uh, she was saying, you know, she was looking at one of her paintings. She said, I can't, I can't, I don't want to be sat in front of my paintings. I want to change it, you know. And this lady's won the Turner Prize and she's from Preston. So yeah, yeah. She is. So, and it's like, the, 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 you know, the, I think, I don't know. Creativity is tough, isn't it? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Because I was working on the, the logo for P-Town and I got it where I thought, yeah, that's good. Yeah. But I spent the rest of the day changing the font colour by a certain amount, yeah. the, a line here, a line there. I think this inherent dissatisfaction. It's a, yeah, that, and that, uh, that's something you got. I mean, I, I, mean I, I know I drive Lindsay and Becky mad. I'm never happy mm. with anything. It's always got to be better. It's never good enough. Yeah. And sometimes that can grind people down and I don't want to grind people down, especially in the studio. And I know I've done that with people in the past. I know I've had people who've worked with me and I've been quite difficult and I can I can make people, not not in a nasty way, but I know they can feel a little bit intimidated that they don't feel like what they're doing is good enough mm. for, for me, for my bar. Yeah, but then yeah. I'm the worst person to myself. So that's just the way it is. Yeah. And... I think that's what drives you anyway. I think you've got to use that as a driver. Mm. Sometimes I, it goes against me and I just feel like everything I do is just shit. Everything's shit. Yeah, I'm yeah. shit. I'm failure, blah, 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 blah. I spent my life feeling like that. It's just the way I am. I can't mm. change it. So I try to use it as a, a, a positive to think, right, next time, this next job, this next commercial, this next thing's going to be even better. Yeah. But it's just different. It's never better. It's just different. You just, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tricky one, that. Yeah. But it's torturous. And I think that's just people who are in, you, you can tell some people just, there's people who've got talents who can deliver something, whatever it be, a, you know, design, done, done it. 
there you go. Thanks, client. That's two grand. Thank you very much. They're not give a shit about it. Bang, it's gone. And that's great. And I wish I could do that. But sometimes you can see that type of work and it sometimes becomes of a level. Yeah. You can tell that they've just knocked it out. They're not bothered. It's gone. That's, and you can, you can see the ones, the people that have really putting that extra bit of effort in. And it's not about the money. It's about the long-term return. Yeah. I, I've always looked at the long-term return. I've never gone every job, right? How much am I going to make? I've gone like, right, how much, how, how great can we make that job? Yeah. Right. The budget's that, but we're going to make it that. And okay. As a business, you can't make a loss, but we put, I put, well, we all do. We all put more time in that we charge mm. to make it better because over the period of years, you've, if it yeah, works yeah. better and people go, shit, they're good. Well, the reason why we're good is because we put shit loads of effort in, you know. There was, you reminded me of this, uh, like a little parable or something in, in Japanese and there's a Japanese house builder and he's absolutely fantastic. He's working at a company years and he finally says he's going to resign, want to spend time with his wife. The second you just build one more house. So begrudgingly, he builds this house, not up to the same standard he used to. And when he goes and says, I finished, they say, well, well done. Here's the keys. The house you built is our gift to you. And for the rest of his days, then he was gutted because he knew this house wasn't how he would have made it. That's fantastic. I've never heard that. So this, yeah, this, because it, what is it? How you do one thing is how you do everything. Totally. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, somebody once said to me years ago, and I've used this phrase a, a few times and people who know me will probably laugh, but you're only as good as your last job. Yeah. And it, and it, and in, you know, people don't remember you for that. You know, it's like, it's like, petrol heads with the Hyundai thing, people think, oh, it's great. Oh, I love that, you know, but whatever we do after that will be what we, you know, people will judge us on that. It yeah, won't be what yeah. we, you know, it's one of those. You just, you just get judged by that thing. So you've got to try and make everything you do as best you can. Yeah. And, and I think it is, for me, creativity, you are, you are in it for the long game. Um, you know, each, each time you do something, you just, you're just refining and tuning and, you know, and that's part of life, isn't it? It's, if it's once when it's part of you, and it's not just a job, then it's the only way you can look at it. You know, I think. Yeah. You know, so but I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's a good one, isn't it? That's great. <laughs> Keeping that one. Is there a trade-off between then finding what's, you know, all this tweaking, this dissatisfaction? Does it does there have to come a point, And I assume there is in commercial where you have to say, look, ninety-nine percent is going to have to be good enough because I need to get it done. Yeah, you've got to, that's what, and that's what I mean. That's why, that's why I keep using the word commercial artist. I mean, it's not a, a term that's used anymore. And I've sort of started using it when people ask me what I do. I say I'm a commercial artist. Mm. You know, I'm not a designer. I'm not a film director. I'm not this, I'm not that. I, I'm a, I'm a wannabes and certain things, but I, I am a commercial artist. I, I, you know, I try and put an art, you know, a creative slant to things. And we, you know, it's what we do as a team. But at the end of the day, we're a, com we're a commercial business. So, um, um, that's what we do and you can't survive otherwise, you know, you can't, you can't charge somebody 10 hours and spend 50 hours on it. You'll go bust as much as you want to. Um, yeah, you can put extra time in and we do, like I said before, we put a lot of extra time in, we've got to do it in a commercial way where it makes sense. We've got another, other jobs working on. So mm. it is a, it's a tricky one. You've got to let go, you know, and that's hard, but yeah. But at least I think if you if you put everything into it and you're satisfied with the process you've applied to it and that you haven't made compromises, then you're happy to say, look, that is yeah. already above and yeah, beyond. Exactly. 
Exactly. So you were speaking about the petrol heads. Yes. Uh, that was at Hyundai. Hyundai, yeah. Hyundai, yeah. Was that the, the sort of the biggest job you'd taken so far? Um, no, it wasn't really. We did a, well, it's, we, um, that came about, we did a, a big art project on the side of Jaguar's factory building. Mm. Um, and that was a, a biggie. Um, I've got a client and a friend now that I'd wor- I've worked with for many years when Wash started. Um, and he became um, construction director at JLR. And we'd worked in construction for many years up until the recession and then we got out of it, but mm. I kept my contact there. So anyway, we, we, we won this, I don't know how we won it, but we won this project. I pitched in this idea to him because they wanted these big art projects on the side of the building. It was a big giant multimedia screen. Right, okay. Um, an interactive screen and I worked with ADI and Preston on it. And um, that was a big job. It was, it was a costly job. I mean, um, you know, ADI, you know, the bulk of the budget went into the kit and caboodle, but yeah. we got we got some really interesting film work out of it, um, like throwing paint over a... I, I don't even seen that or not, but we threw a lot of paint over a F-type. No, I haven't seen Jaguar. that. Is that your Insta or something? Or? It's on, no, it's on our website, but, oh. it, but yeah, we did... and it was just, We just needed some really abstract art stuff on this wall, and the yeah. marketing guy at the time said, look, I've got this car, what do you want to do with it? I said, well... What's happening to the car? So it's going to get it's going to get trashed because when they do a commercial with these cars, after a bit, the, the knackers they yeah, trash yeah. them. But it looked mint, you know. So well, I'll tell you what, I'll get in the studio and we'll just chuck paint over it and film it all in slow motion, you know. So nice. yeah, it was great. It was good fun, um, and that led then to Hyundai. Um, Adam left uh, Jag and went to Hyundai, and they um, we did some bits and pieces, some little jobs for them. And then the uh, the new N was being launched, and they said, "Look, do you want to do you want to pitch for it?" So we did, and then petrol heads popped into my head one night after yeah a few glasses of wine and a. <laughs> Why do the greatest ideas come <laughs> after drinking? Well, because I was desperate. I would get, get to a point where it's quite, I, I, I put the team through hell. I've got to be honest, because I was so desperate to win it, and I think that. It was one of those moments that I think, right, okay, I've, I've, I got out of this marketing world years ago and never wanted to work in the city and tried, this, tried blah, blah, blah. I thought, well, surely a car advert is what everyone is wanting to get as an agency. Yeah. It's one of those, isn't it? It's like a tick, it's a little ooh, car advert, you know. And the, it was staring us in the face. as listen, guys, we've got to win this. And, you know, bless her, Becky was coming up with these ideas, but I was, I was looking for the perfect solution. I just couldn't. You know, I didn't want to do a normal car advert. I thought mm. if we're gonna if we're gonna win this, I don't want to do an advert with a car driving over a fucking bridge in Germany. Yeah, with some smug driver <laughs> and the sun shining. I didn't want to do that. So I really stuck my neck out, and I really wanted to do something that was a filmed in the UK because you know it was aimed at the British petrol head market. I mean, the, the idea was in the brief; it couldn't have been any clearer. It's yeah. a, you know the target audience is petrol heads. So we're going around these houses trying to think of the ideas and I'm sat there one night and I, I, had, I had a bottle of red and I was sat there looking at my notes and scribbling and, just, and I looked at the brief and the word petrol heads just popped out and I thought, surely someone's, surely someone's done that idea. I mean, I, so I started Googling and looking around and I scribbled this thing down and, and then I thought, well, I'm going to present an advert to this car company and I've never really, they don't really know me, I've done some bits and pieces. I really want to win this advert, but I'm going to present an advert that doesn't show a car whatsoever. Yeah. Right. So we we had we went we went back with about seven ideas, and uh, at the last one, 
was the petrol head advert. I mean, bless Becky, she came up with some belting ideas, but I was, I'd locked onto this petrol head idea. Mm. So I presented it in. So I did all these designs and these, these concepts. And there wasn't a car in it. The original idea was just these three petrol heads arguing the toss yeah. about cars. Because, and, and the fact that this car was coming into the market and everyone that I knew who was a petrol head went, I and I doing a car like that. No chance, going to be shit. You know, want me as good as the Golf, want me as good as this, want me as good as that. But I knew it was a cracking car. And it is, it's a cracking car. Any, any petrol head who drives it will tell you it's a great car. Yeah, it's got its faults and it could be better here, it could be better there, but it's a bloody great car. Mm. So I knew it was going to turn heads. It was just going to do it. It was going to cause a storm in the petrol head market. So it, it was an obvious idea. So when I presented it in, there was a big panel of people, you know, and there's a couple of uh, Korean guys were there and then the main marketing team were there and I just pitched it in and they, they, it stopped them in the tracks. They were like, what the hell is this? This is just a, not even a car in it, you know? It's like, what the hell? But they loved it. They loved it. And we won it. And I that felt great. Oh, it was, a, it was a, I remember getting the call in here and it was like, I don't know. It was just one of those things that, I, you know, he's trying to impress your peers, aren't you? I know it sounds a bit egotistic, yeah. but you, it's like, look guys, you know, because people who know me in the industry, they know what I've been, what I've, where I've been and what I've done. And to think to win that was like, get in, you know, yeah. it, was, it was such a good moment. And then that's where the compromise came then with the client. It was like, well, we need the car in obviously. And mm. that's great. You know, so then you're working out with the client and you end up with what you've got, which I'm really proud of, you know? So yeah, it was ace. Yeah. It was a cool one. <laughs> it was all like kind of Steve McQueen. Well, that was stand. the second one. The second one. Yeah. The second one was a great, it's a shame really, because the second one didn't get as much airplay because the, the dynamics changed that I undie and they, they switched the budgets to electric, which is fair enough. Mm. But the second one, we, um, there was a, because it was a fastback and obviously the first fastback, famous fastback was the Ford. Um, um, my God, my brain's gone. The, the Steve McQueen, it's Ford Mustang, wasn't it? In the Steve McQueen. I can't remember. I can't remember now. Anyway, it, it was the first famous fastback in the, in the film Bullet. Right. And yeah. um, so we dressed the character up in the Steve McQueen outfit. It gets changed and blah, blah, blah. So that was, and what the coup with the second advert was, we got Captain Beefheart. We got the track. Yeah. Now we've done our research. We can't find, we don't, we can't recall the Captain Beefheart track being on a TV commercial ever. And anybody who's into music will think that's pretty cool. And we got a bit of slating like, oh, they've sold out, you know. But, yeah, yeah. But it really made it, for us, it was just like being musos as well. We're like Captain Beefheart on a car commercial. Come on. That's just fucking great. I, I find the, the most satisfaction, at least for me, comes when you do take these sort of, oblique contrasted things like if you do something that's really good but well that's kind of obvious yeah or maybe not obvious but the the well-trodden path yeah yeah but when you think of something that's completely sort of orthogonal to what yeah, yeah. what you would expect there's a much bigger satisfaction when it works ah it's fantastic and i, I think that but you've got to be prepared to fail as well mm. that's the thing i'm not i mean i don't like i hate failing i'm not good at losing um you know, get this hippie exterior. I'm like, I'm very competitive, yeah. you know, and I, th I think that, um, you know, sometimes you can't always get it right. If you're going to stick your neck out and be a bit braver and a bit like, like you say, off the wall and just a bit obscure, yeah. you've got to, you're going to take some kicks. And I've took them, you know, not everything works all the time. And Petrolhead's got a bit of a slating of people who are, oh, you know, about the environment and all that lot. I thought, well, yeah, okay, fair point, but it's not cut that cut and dry, is it? 
No. Let's be honest, it's not that cut and dry. And, and to be fair, the cars, they're only, they're only selling a small amount to the niche market. It's not mass market anyway. So, so yeah, you've got to be prepared to get a bit of, bit of slagging off. Just got to go, well, fair enough. Mm. Tried, you know. Well, that's not on you, the, the fact that petrol might be bad for the environment. <laughs> exactly. Your job was to... Well, the fact that we're all petrol you're promoting, pet, you know, you, you, make, you, post, you know, it's, I don't know. You're always going to get the trolls, aren't you? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. A lot more now because everything's Seems online and it's, uh, there's no cost for... Exactly. No cost taking for someone down. <laughs> Is there, uh, What's social media like for you then? Because I presume it's important for business. Uh, yeah, we play it pretty safe really we don't do a lot of you know we post stuff out as and when we don't go eh, you know we're trying we don't we're trying to put out stuff like we've just been on a we've just been filming a new tv commercial for another car brand okay um which i can't really say anything about just at the minute because it's not out but it's that's been really good fun it's been mm. quite difficult in the current situation but we'll but we'll post a bit out just a bit of a bit of a tease but we won't brag you know we don't like the bragging bit we mm. just put stuff out and be a little bit more under the radar i think with social that's like what chris was saying he doesn't like knocking on doors and being a salesman no we're the same we're terrible yeah. at that we don't we don't have any we've never really had we've had we've tried people to sell us we've had people in and it's lasted two or three months and it's not really worked we just mm. feel uncomfortable with it we'd like we'd like to i think we sell ourselves the best mm. you know i think um you know Lindsay myself getting out there a bit more and just talking about the business probably sells it better than anybody can because mm. the passion comes through because it's mm. genuine. Um, but yeah, selling is really difficult. You've got to you've got to make yourself a magnet and attract rather than go out and smash out. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's like people. If if you're always struggling for people to like you, no one's going to like you. Exactly. But if you put that energy inside and develop yourself, yeah, then you'll attract. That's pretty much nothing attracts people more than confidence. Yeah. Well, I think that's the, that. Well, that's an interesting point now because that's something I never had in mm. in my life. To be fair, I mean, people see me now and think, "Oh God, you know, they've got building, the art, and TV commercials." I think people assume, you know, uh, a different persona of what I am. But I've always struggled with my confidence throughout my life. Terrible, terrible, lacking in confidence. I mean, you know, I remember working in an agency um, years ago when I first got into the advertising marketing world and I couldn't present to people. I couldn't even speak. I was, mm. I was awful. I'd be shaking. I'd forget what I was saying. And, you know, I'm still a bit like that now. I'm scatty. That's why I'm, I'm in my brain's wired. But I accept that now. If I go to meetings or I'm doing a talk lecture at UCLan or wherever, I'll just tell people, look, I might just lose the plot. Yeah. Or I might spin off on a different, but that's what I am Lean now. into it. Tech it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I'm confident now, but I'm, you know, I'm not a young lad anymore. It's took me a long time. Yeah. Um, and I think once once the confidence had come, i.e. winning the Jaguar thing gave me a lot of confidence because to pull that off was quite mm. phenomenal, really. At a point where the business was had been through a really bad time. Like I said, we were in debt. Business partners had moved on. I was pretty at my lowest at that point when I won that job. And then from then, it's just built, mm. you know, up. And, and my confidence... My tail was up and it did definitely attract. Whereas before, I, I remember going to a meeting once and one guy said, like, you've got a real chip on your shoulder, you know. I mean, we, we got close to a winning a pitch and my my downtrodden thoughts got, came out mm. in this meeting. You know, I was a bit like, you know, well. I mean, he lost it. And he, told, he rang me to tell me that's why. He said, the work's great. He said, but you just came across as really quite negative. And it really, I thought, shit, <laughs> that ain't like me, you know. So it obviously... 
came across. So yeah. I really had to change. But yeah, the confidence thing, it's um tough, tough one. Was that a pivotal moment then, that feedback, or was it winning Hyundai? Uh, no, that was a pivotal moment, that definitely the that feedback. feedback before Hyundai. Yeah. I think I think when I the Hyundai thing, yeah, I'd got to a point where my com- I mean, I was still I remember going to the meeting, I was wired, utterly wired. You know, mm. I probably had too much coffee, we'd driven down to um uh, can't remember where they are now, uh, down south, and and um, I was wired when I went to that meeting, and I, they could tell I was just on this thing, but it was nervous energy. Yeah. You know, I get very nervous, like when I'm doing a gig, you know, I'm still, I get terrible stage fright. So I, I've got to really work hard to channel it once mm. I'm focused. But I think when I'm doing something that I'm really passionate about, then it comes across. I might be a bit all over the place, a bit bumbly and a bit, but I think if people will, buy into that genuineness mm. then I'm I'm all right mm. if they don't if they want slick and um you know I they're not gonna get that <laughs> <really. laughs> don't come to me for slick don't come to me for slick yeah I think that's a nice thing to have though because there's a lot of there's probably a market for authenticity more now than there has been in a long time and so that's probably not a, a good thing to I think you're right. I, I think the, the only danger there slightly is that it depends who you meet and a lot of, and there again, I've got to be careful what I say really, because I think I don't want to da- diss people, but there's a lot of people going to marketing now where we're trying to win brownie points and not really, they're, they're not true marketeers. They're not willing to take risks. Mm. And if you look back at any cool adverts or anything great in creativity, it's been things that have smashed through and done things differently. Yeah. When you've got, you know, a lot of younger marketing people in the business and I seem to be just playing it safe and they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to upset the boss and they don't want to, you know, or they might be doing a bit of a career climb. They ain't going to work with us. Mm. I'm too risky. Too much of a cavalier as one marketing guy said to me, <laughs> you know, but I think that, so you've got to find the people who like that approach mm. and it goes swimmingly well then. I think when you start to play safe, then that's sometimes quite tricky with us because we try and, we make people feel nervous. I mean, we never not delivered a job, you know. Yeah. We're, 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 we're brilliant at that. We're so good. But I think because the way we are, at first people go, well, these guys are a bit off the wall. Mm. So it can scare people off, you know. Or they embraced it like the Hyundai guys did. Totally embraced us, you know. So we were a breath of fresh air to them. I bet, yeah. So, yeah. Coming back to risk, with obviously with the, the pandemic and the lockdown and everything now, how do you think that's going to change the creative industry? Obviously... Uh, movies have been put back. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be a temptation for studios to play it safe and get get money in, maybe sequels or remakes? Yeah, definitely. Rather yeah, than... Yeah. I think so. I think... I mean, you can see it already, can't you? And I, it does worry me at the minute. I think they... Um, and I don't want to be a doomcaster, but I'm not... I am a bit of a glass-half-empty sort of geezer sometimes, and I think that this pandemic has been pretty dire mm. for the creative industries. And... It's definitely going to... I think we are in a, a turning point culturally. I, I might be talking bullshit and it might be gone in two mm. months and everybody back to normal, but I don't think so. I think there's a, a massive cultural shift going on and uh, I'm just watching it and seeing how it... I'm not going to manoeuvre anything at the minute, mm. but we're all going to have to manoeuvre ourselves at some point to somewhere. I'm not an early em- embracer of anything, me. I tend to watch and then... I'm a bit of a slow mover, hence doing car commercials at the end, <laughs> the tail end of my career rather than the beginning. But I think that um, 
I like to just watch what's going on and then make a move. Yeah. But I think we're definitely in a definitely a weird time. I think also I think creativity as well, going back to what you said before earlier about don't wait for being told what to do, get on and go on and do it. You know, great creativity in the past has always come from ground up, mm. not top down, mm. you know. And a lot of it comes out of constraints and conflicts as well. Of course it does. Absolutely. It's always has in the past. And I think you've got to fight through it because that's what, we're surrounded by culture out in design and creativity all the time. If we mm. ignore it and we let it drivel away, so somebody will, I'm not overly worried. I think people will come out of the woodwork that you didn't expect and smash through and do things mm. um, like music, you know, and there'll be some sort of stuff, art, painting, people will do things. Mm. Um, it's just how we get to see it. I think how it's delivered is bothering me a little bit. If it's all behind a screen and, yeah, the people connection really bothers me. Yeah, it's a completely different experience, isn't it? It's, mm. You see art through a screen or even a conversation. Yeah. It's uh, something missing that's... Yeah, I mean, we're trying to put an exhibition on at the minute, you know, but um, I, I don't know when this is going out, but we've got Norman Long throughout October in the house and we're mm. going to have to limit it. You know, we've got to play COVID safe. And is it going to work? Is it not going to work? I don't know. We've left it late because we were unsure, but we decided to do it. And you don't know whether you're doing the right thing or not. You're not really going to get slagged off for it yeah. or praised for it. But I think, well, there again, that's just us. Let's just do it and see what happens. Yeah. We'll do it safely. If it doesn't work, you know, doesn't work. We've tried it. Yeah. Better to do than not, isn't it? It is, yeah. Well, as well, they say it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Well, there's a bit of that, yeah. <laughs> but at least you know. At least you're testing what out, what can be done. Yeah. If you get feedback that needs to change, yeah. then... We've got to. We've got to, we've got to fight for our industry and what we're about as people. Create, you know, we don't all, we're not all sat at home on furlough or mm. on full pay and not having to worry about our jobs, are we? If we don't go out there and work, we're gone. That's mm. it. And... And that's what's bothering me at the minute. There's a bit of a divide in society going on. I mean, I know lots of people who are quite happy. They're all sat at home gardening, you know. Mm. They're all getting paid, which is fine. I'm not knocking them, but they don't realise the stress I'm under, to mm. try, or we're under, to run this business. If we don't get working, we're done. Mm. So we have to go. We, we can't just let the, the country go to shit, can we? No. So what do we do? You know, we've no, I have no choice. I can't just go around and stay home on this mm. pot in my garden. I'll have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> I'll be thinking, am I going to pay my bills? So, you know, that's the reality of it all. Yeah. So, you know, I don't like handouts either. I've never, I've never, I've worked all my life, you know, mm. I've never had a handout. My parents never handed me out anything. So, I don't know. You just become like that. You just, you just go for it, don't you? Mm. I think they started drilling next door. Nice. Good timing. Good timing. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Good. Well, we'll wrap up there then since we got the drilling starting. Oh, we got the drilling starting. Yeah, and that's been great. Um, I think what you're doing with this is brilliant. I think just get, Thank you. get out there and keep doing it. You're a good ambassador for the city. And <laughs> thanks. It's, it's great. Good. Andy, thanks again. Brilliant, mate. Thank you. Without